Thanks for listening to this special edition of Inside the Daily Press. You're about to hear a long-form conversation with a candidate for local office. Um, If you enjoy these, check out our website. You'll see most of the candidates have come in and spoken to us. And then check out our website for full election coverage at smdp.com. All right, folks, uh, we are here with Troy Harris, who is a candidate for city council. Troy, thank you for being here today to talk to us. Thanks for um, having me. Yep. When, when, give, give, us a, give us your stump speech. We gave everyone the chance to get a couple minutes, tell folks who you are and why you're running. Well, my name is Troy Harris, and I'm running because I believe in making Santa Monica a better place, and I'm the right person to do it. Every day in my job as a director of international sales at UPS, I talk with my customers who are businesses and I find out what it's going to take for them to become a better company and grow more efficiently. And that's the exact same thing I want to do with the people here of Santa Monica. I've been living here for nine years and I remember when it was a very great and thriving place. And now seeing that things are not the way they used to be with vacancies around and homelessness abound and crime, I want to change that and get it back to how it used to be. Uh, My way of doing that is that I want to put a commercial vacancy tax on commercial landlords that will help incentivize building owners to put... uh, retail outlets back into their buildings and that'll help the community because we are hungry for places to shop and and live out our lives uh, that's going to increase the amount of money in the the city budget that is going to allow for the hiring of more police which will deter crime i also want to help fight homelessness uh, by having more beds in the region and i have an idea called digs which is going to put money into the pockets of the people that want to help themselves And I also want to increase the housing because I believe it's a social justice issue as much as it is an affordability issue. And we need to do the right thing for the people. Gotcha. So uh, what I heard you, you know, translating that into to to, to sound bites, I heard you talk about business development, crime and homelessness. Would you say those are your top three, top three priorities? Yes. Uh, put them in order for one, two, three. Like, what's what's your number? I mean, I heard. So, what I heard you say is there's a connection between all of them, right? Yeah. Like, you develop the businesses that helps you fight the other things. Um, so, priority wise, like, what what's your number one priority? What's the one thing that you're going to do, sort of day one, if you were to get into office? It is the commercial vacancy tax because of crime. Because because that'll help you fund the police department and reduce crime and all those yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some props, a Prop 47, which makes it easier for crime to happen. But if more police are present, it's going to deter that from happening. So we have to overcome it here locally, as well as lobby for the changes of the state law. Gotcha. So so we'll get into some details and specifics as we move on. But but. Let's talk about the vacancy tax as a proposal, right? Because okay. that's an interesting idea. So yeah. why don't you explain to folks from your perspective why that's necessary and what it would actually do in terms of changing uh, the feelings on the streets? It's all about business constraints. Business constraints, they influence the businesses. A lot of building owners are companies and they have investors. And so they want to do what's going to make them most profitable. So to put a a business constraint in place, it's going to hold them accountable to the community. It's going to have them say, okay, if I leave it vacant, then I'm going to get dinged. So I don't want to get dinged. I may have wanted a rent of X amount, but I'm going to charge... X minus whatever percent 
just to encourage and have a, a more likely chance to have a renter uh, do business in my building and avoid that vacancy tax. That's going to have more places for people to do their shopping, which will increase the retail, uh, which will increase the sales uh, tax, mm -hmm. and it's going to help out with the funding of the police. So, so there's folks who will argue that the reason business fronts are vacant isn't because the rents are too high. They're going to argue that the reason they're vacant is the is blight, um, mostly reduced uh, connected to homelessness or crime or other factors, right? So, do, do you think that's the case? Do you think vacancies would decrease? if rents were just less, or do you think that they're vacant because people don't want to be in Santa Monica because of other external factors? That's a valid question. It's the chicken and the egg, and I don't believe it's because of blight. What I believe is that blight can be a factor, but it's solved by the very problem. If you are able to put businesses in those vacancies, it's going to decrease the blight. It's going to decrease the homelessness presence because building owners and, sh and shop runners don't want to have that, and they're going to do what they can to influence the homelessness to decrease. It's also going to bring more activity into the area, which is going to just naturally cause the homelessness and other types of blight. I'm not blaming it totally on homelessness sure, sure. Uh, to decrease. And so when you have that, it's a holistic effect, the community thriving as a result, you have a decrease in blight, you have a, a solution to homelessness. And so, you know, crime and homelessness get linked, right? They're not, they're somewhat causal, they're somewhat not, there's a whole very complicated knot of relationships. So I heard you say hiring more police officers is one idea. Um, I'm not putting a judgment on it, right? <laughs> it's yeah. one idea. Like, w what else are you bringing to the table when it comes to proposals to address homelessness and crime. So yep. more police officers got it. Most people are going to say that. Like, What else? What else? Public safety officers is huge, too. It's, it's linked because they're working for the same folks as the police officers, but they're specialized in mental health coming in and helping out the people, meeting them face to face. And there's the lowest percentage of psychologists go into the field, it's 3%. So if we can increase that by incentivizing them, uh, paying them more, then that'll help out with decreasing the homelessness. I also have two other ideas that are increasing the amount of beds in the region. Right now, the county has health restrictions because of COVID. But if we can help out with the efficiency when those restrictions go away, have more people per bed in the places like people concern uh, that house homeless and also rehabilitate them as well as around West LA because we need help from the region um, because we are an attraction from the region. So if we can get their help, then that's going to help out the people with high acuity. Uh, the lower acuity folks, which are uh, recently unhoused, and um, you said there's a link between crime and homelessness, so less likely uh, to have that taking place. I have a solution called DIGS, which stands for, uh, it's an acronym that is a word. Obviously, people call homing, housing DIGS, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also demerits in addition to gold stars, which is a recovery program with cash transfers that is going to use a system where people use acts of self-love and by eating and sleeping and exercising up to an amount that the caseworker decides is appropriate, they get a rating. And when their rating is high enough, they get cash. So we would set them up with a bank card and allow them to use that at their own discretion. It gets linked with counseling and coaching so that they can take advantage of any housing opportunities that come about. And they can also learn from professionals what it takes to get their life back on track, ultimately because it's their decision that it comes down to, to get back on their feet. But that's going to help assist them with the taxpayer money. 
So that sounds like a version of like a uh, minimum income projects, right? There's some folks out there, some projects out there where folks get 500 bucks a month or whatever it is. It sounds like that's kind of a similar project. And look, that sounds great, right? That sounds great. But the guy who like lurched at me at, lunch, at breakfast the other day was totally naked apart from a blanket. And like, I had to threaten to set my dog on him or we were going to fight. Like that was how, that was my interaction. That's not an unusual interaction, right? Like my street is covered with folks who are too, at this point, broken to accept an aid program like that. Like that sounds like a great program, but there's so many folks in Santa Monica right now who don't have the wherewithal to participate in something like that. Like, I guess, I guess one of my question there is how much, how much of Santa Monica's homeless problem do you think can be solved by a program that requires a certain degree of mental acuity and functionality from a population that I think has extremely high mental illness and, and, and might not be able to do that? Like, how much of our homeless problem do you think can actually be helped by a project like that? A certain percent, and I believe that we have to keep trying and I know that there is that that you mentioned. It's it's right in your face, and we want to do what we can. So my solution is to be strong on anti-vagrancy laws. Uh, when there are folks that are from other cities, we need to hold the other cities accountable and get them to collect their their residents uh, and help them. So how are you going to do that, right? Because I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you, but that's a point that comes up a lot, right? Okay. And it's not a, it's not a bad idea. Like, I totally get it. So, so we say to someone, Bakersfield, hey, Bakersfield, take this dude back. And then Bakersfield says no. And then what do we do? Yeah. Like, so, so, I mean, legitimately, like how, how are we going to get other communities to pitch in and help solve this? Because it is, it is a, a regional problem. So how would you do that? Like, what is it that you're bringing to the table that's going to enable the city of Santa Monica to get buy-in from municipalities outside of your jurisdiction or our jurisdiction to help with the problem? It's a complex thing, but I believe that you can. And if you take some of the responsibility and put it back on ourselves, and if there are, if, if you ask Bakersfield to come collect their person and they just refuse, have a three attempt process. And if on the third attempt they still refuse, then we're going to do it for you. And we're not going to do it happily, but it's going to be what we have to do because we have to do, and it's lawfully, rightfully the right thing to do. Um, and the result is that we will be able to focus on our residents, our homeless in our community, the long term people who have been unfortunately living on the streets and help uh, revitalize them. Um, I have a story of recovery myself. And so I'm hoping that in my position, I can be a beacon of hope, an example of truth coming from I know that drugs they're very difficult to overcome. The addiction is difficult to overcome. But through my system or whatever system works for you, uh, if you're able to use goals and kick the habit and know that accomplishment is going to help you uh, achieve the same fulfillment that perhaps a drug used to, then that's going to help you get on the right track. And I hope that I can be an example and, and coming from a true place that will guide people as well. And ultimately, it's going to be difficult, but it's the exact work that you do that's going to help you be strong enough to accomplish the goal. Gotcha. And so, so you mentioned your personal story. We haven't talked about it yet. Do you want to, do you want to tell that to folks? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I, I was a functional addict of three things, which were antidepressant, uh, alcohol and marijuana. And I was able to function, but I wasn't achieving my goals and it was taking effect on, uh, my physical health. 
And I decided that I want to change my life for the better. And it was very difficult because the withdrawal symptoms are real. But by creating a system, which I call a system of justice, knowing that the efforts that you put in, the pain that it takes, like building a muscle, is going to lead to strength. And if you're able to overcome that and push through and create goals and become the person that you want to become, then that's going to allow you to get to where you want to be. And then as a result, you will forget all about the drug addiction that you used to have because you've now become the person that you want to become, which is so much more fulfilling and sustainable than the drug that you used to be addicted to. Gotcha. So that sounds like the bootstrap argument, right? You you. Br- Bring yourself up by your bootstraps, right? It's very, yeah. That's a very internal motivation uh-huh. kind of approach, right? Yeah. I'm not disputing that, nor am I disputing that it's worked for you. But I come back to when we when we talk about dealing with folks on the streets, we do have we have we have legal challenges, right? Because you can't just arrest someone for being homeless. You can't force them into treatment. You can't force someone to take antipsychotics, right? Right. If folks on the streets were capable of the kind of motivation and self determination that you're talking about. I question whether they would be in the position that they're in now, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not disputing the value of inspiration at all. Like, and I totally get where you're coming from on the story. But I come back to the notion that, that how many of these ideas are, are practical for the problems that we face. So, so let me ask you this. Have you, have you run these ideas or concepts or programs past like professionals? Have you gotten input from folks? Like what, what sort of research have you done to educate yourself on the causes of homelessness things about crime and, and, and take an external knowledge to form your opinions. I have spoken to one and it's John Masseri, the director of the people concern. Mm -hmm. And he says that people, they, they're not so different in how they become homeless. And it's that they lose hope. Something happens. It caused them to lose their income, cause them to lose their house. And then it caused after a while, when people start treating them differently as if an other, then they lose their hope and then they just start to survive. And there, if, and then the compounded uh, effects start to take place. Homelessness is already a problem enough. Then you add on top of that uh, drug addiction. And then you add on top of that mental health. And then you add on top of that criminality. These things combined, that's what we're seeing on the streets. And these are the folks that we're coming across in real life that are screaming and yelling and causing us to feel unsafe. But if you start to peel back and build their trust and build their hope again, then that's going to help them believe. And slowly but surely, you start to take away, you start to cure the mental health issues with professionals that are there to help and the so on and so forth. Then you start to become to a place where they can become aware enough to want to make the decisions to improve their life. Gotcha. Um, so you mentioned there, you know, feeling unsafe just as a transition of a topic. Do, do you feel safe in Santa Monica? Do you feel safe as you walk around, just you as an individual? I do, but I was talking to the police chief and I wouldn't have a reason not to because I'm a healthy young male and that's not who is the the mark in the situations. Typically, they're elderly. They're Unfortunately, they're disabled. They're the youth and they're women. And my heart goes out to them. I, you know, it breaks my heart to hear that that's, that's who's approached. Um, but the reality is that we need to do something. And Prop 47, again, is something that I fight against because I believe that that's a, a, a true cause of this, as well as making the streets safer for the people that do feel unsafe. And, and so we know that there's certain kinds of folks who, who feel unsafe, but I think 
there's a trend, there's a feeling, there's folks in Santa Monica who would argue that the city feels unsafe even if they personally don't feel attacked at every given time, right? Like people have a sense of confidence that I'm going to be able to handle myself, but they still look around the city and they feel that it's degraded to a point. You know, part of that critique gets leveled at the city and city officials and the city hasn't done enough to keep the city safe. Do you feel in your mind, do you think that current leadership, the currents have done enough? Do you think these are these are failings of current leadership? Do you think these are societal failings that were bigger than Santa Monica? Like, just curiosity-wise, like, where do you fall on that? Like, who's who bears the responsibility for us being in the position that we're in now? I think it is a national issue, but I think it can be solved here locally. And I think it's it comes down to social justice. justice. There are people that have been left behind. And if we're able to serve them and give them the services that will give them an e- equal playing field to work on, then they wouldn't resort to criminality. This is what made me have my aha moment and find my purpose was studying MLK. And he believed that justice and crime are inherently linked and the criminals of the world are only doing what they do because of the injustice that they face. So in essence, the law itself and the practicers of it and the upholders of it are a crime or committing a crime as well. So, so resolve that crime, fix the system and give equity to the people that need it, that have been underserved for years. And I say that we can solve it here locally because we had eminent domain take place here. So in, in minority neighborhoods. So if we're able to provide housing for black and brown neighborhoods that lost it during that period of time, then that's a step towards the direction of, of, of uncovering and resolving the effect of that, which is the crime. And slowly and surely you're going to decrease the amount of crime and mental health issues and behavioral issues and homelessness by giving services to the people. And it comes Coming from a true place of wanting to help, not just investing money and for a promise of a return on the investment, but actually investing energy and time and helping these people become better and serve them the justice that they truly deserve. So, so we talked a little bit at the beginning about this vacancy tax, right? So that's one revenue as a new revenue source that you've identified, right? I get that. But some of the things you've talked about are vastly expensive. We're going to take way more than a vacancy tax to fund. So. Where are you going to get money for these programs from? Are you going to re- redistribute current city budgets? Do you have other revenue ideas? Like, how are you going to fund this stuff? It comes down to the community being thriving again. So getting the community back, uh, the vacancy tax is just the ignition. It's just the spark of the engine. And once that engine is running, you get up to 130 miles an hour. And when you do that, then you're going to be able to fund some of these projects like I'm talking about. So it, it starts with that, but the community thriving and having to be a place that people want to be. People come here to Santa Monica already, but they're like, what happened to it? Because there's desolence all over uh, the promenade on Main Street. And it really is coming down to the vacancies. There's a lot of places where I used to do business and they're just not open. And it's not solely because of the pandemic, but it's also because of technological changes, and it's also because of information I'm not privy to, which is the business uh, relationships mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. So if you're able to get people just wanting to be here, loving Santa Monica, I'm talking pier concerts, I'm talking fireworks on the pier, 4th of July, and if you get this place back humming, then you're able to fund these, these I believe it can be a city that is idealistic and having a, a true um, balance of uh, economic income levels, of racial backgrounds and being the city that people aspire to be. So that's 
So what I'm hearing from you is is increased economic activity. So the rising tide floats all boats argument, right? That if you you bring back a whole bunch of stuff, peer concerts, businesses, you gain more revenue in all kinds of places. But I guess you, I guess taking that a step back from that, sure. If we get new revenue, I get that. Do you think that the current city budget is allocated appropriately? Like, are there changes you would make to our current funding priorities? Is there stuff that you think we're spending money on that we shouldn't be? And and how would you reallocate those resources if if you could? Yeah, uh, I think that we should reallocate resources. I just from the visual eye test, I see money being invested on causes that are already sufficient. Um, Paving of the roads, for example, if a road is already paved and not causing too many issues with like car damage, and I don't think that we should be investing in that. We should be investing in the core issue, uh, safety being primarily on top of the list. When when I I look at myself as the example, when I wanted to fix myself, I. I had some physical ailments. My shoulder is injured. So mm-hmm. to fix it, I couldn't just rehab my shoulder. I had to work on my core because it's my posture that was causing the outlying effects. And this is a major theme of everything I come back to, the cause and effect. So if we're able to fix the core issues and spending being on top of that list as well, to hold the city accountable to spending in areas and not overspending in areas is what I would want to uh, clamp down on. So being able to, to use the money for the core focus, which is safety first on top of the list, uh, getting the economic thriving again, which is also top on on the list, and just making it a better place and a place where we can be safe. Like I mentioned, that's where I want to go. Gotcha. So I heard you infrastructure, maybe decrease funding on infrastructure if not needed. Are there other specific areas that you think there are funding cuts to be had? I would say... If I were to look deep into the budget, I might find some salaries that I think could be uh, re- hired in positions and people that could do it for less. Um, but I, I would need to look at specific line by line items to answer that question. Gotcha. So have you um, how much time have you spent learning about the city of Santa Monica and how it works? Like, have you been to a council? I mean, Ben is maybe the wrong term because you've been in COVID. Have you been watching council meetings? Yes. And did you watch council meetings before you chose to run for office? I've been to a few, but not that many. Gotcha. I mean, a few is more than most people ever ever yeah. go to, right? So, you know, council has a vast array of duties, right? Yeah. And every council meeting isn't about a core issue. A lot of them are about mundane day-to-day activities, right? A lot of them are require the council to read huge volumes of information to give minimal input on something that's going to be a, a almost administrative task. So, do you how would you approach a task like that? How do you approach educating yourself about having to understand the difference between, you know, a, a cab or a rab, right? Those were acronyms at our last council meeting versus yeah, who was going to yeah. weigh in on affordable housing, right? But then they also have to know about infrastructure and then you also have to know about the fire codes and then you also have to know how the coastal commission impacts a hotel development. I mean, those are all relatively easy ones, right? But then you also have to know hiring and firing rules as it pertains to any number of businesses, right? You're going to be asked about big blue bus routes, right? Where they should be, where they shouldn't be. Should we have Uber running the uh, big blue bus at night program? I mean, there's just such a vast array of subjects. Do you think you're up to speed on most of them? Or or do you think this is going to be a learn on the job kind of 
deal for you? I'm a dedicated person. I'll get there. I I know that at my career, I knew nothing about supply chain and logistics, and now I've been promoted to director. And it's been 12 years, but I will approach this even more aggressively because I'm more mature now. And I wanted to come back to something that you mentioned earlier, which is uh, areas of spending. And people, they they need help. And I know that Santa Monica is very aspirational in having the cleanest and most eco-friendly things of the world. But I, and I know that's important because environmental justice is important. It's a form of justice and it ultimately serves the people that live here, which is what I care about most. But getting back to refocusing on our core issues, and that means halting on the spending for these buildings that have certain uh, 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 standards that just don't, it's not what the people are asking for. They don't ask for, I need a, a diamond level, uh, eco-friendly water treatment system. They're asking for their safety on the streets and to not be attacked. And so invest money towards what the people are really asking for. And as I walk around talking to constituents, that's what they're asking for. And so we need to, we need to serve them. We need to listen to them and we need to elect officials that will. So um, how I would approach learning so many things so fast, you have to be resourceful. So having the access to the city uh, attorney, I will talk to them all the time. I will talk to the staff. I will talk to the manager. And I will I, I can read fast. So being able to read the documents as well as I can and get myself as informed as possible and, and lean on people around me, that's how I would get that done. Gotcha. Um, so one issue that we should talk about because it's going to be on the ballot, rent control is a huge Huge factor in Santa Monica. Um, do you, do you, so I guess just fundamentally, do you think you understand how rent control works here? Because we had a lot of discussions recently as a community about it where folks clearly didn't understand. So I'm just curious, do, do you know how rent control works here when it comes to like who's in charge of it, how the adjustments work, how much people should or shouldn't be paying? Like, is that in your wheelhouse? Yeah, I, I can speak to it from a resident or from a renter standpoint. And, you know, I think you know this. I come from outside of politics, so I'm going to talk about it from a casual position as well as I can. Are you in a rent-controlled building now? I am. Okay. So, you, so you're a rent-controlled tenant? I'm a rent-controlled tenant. Gotcha. So you have some understanding of yeah. it. Yeah. So did you, how much did your rent, did your rent percentage wise, did you get a 3%, 6%? What was your adjustment this year? 6% and it hit the maximum and I believe it was $180. Okay. So there was a cap, I think on lowering it, that might've been down to 140 maybe. Yeah, 140 yeah. is what yeah. it ended up being. Yeah. So, gotcha. All right. So the, oh, sorry, the 6% was 180 and then the cap lowered it. Yeah. So, you know, we had a, there's a, there's a proposition on the ballot to cap rent control increases at 3% going forward. As what they were 6%, that would cap it to, to 3%. You know, how do you feel about that? I love it. I think it's the right thing to do. Uh, people are hurting. Businesses are hurting. People have to invest in their lives. Businesses have to invest in their business, which is important, but lives are the ultimate most important thing. And so being able to help them by giving them that assurance that I'm not going to be eating, as the mayor says, cat food at the end of the month. If you're able to do that by saving them that extra 3%, then you're helping them put money into the other things that they're also paying more for, which is gas and everything that you buy with money because of inflation. So yeah. I'm so sure. so this comes back to a notion of the rent control. So inflation was up 10%, right? So if you're a property owner, if you're the building owner, you're paying vastly more for the water because it might not be, it's probably master metered. You're paying vastly more for electricity. You're paying vastly more to have landscapers come out. Right, the costs of associated with operating the building went up ten percent. 
why should the tenants only go up 3%, right? Because that's, the, that's the, the rub is that you're got a private property owner who has costs associated with managing the building. You know, why, why are we offloading the cost of housing onto the landlord instead of passing those costs on to the tenant, right? Because it's not mm-hmm. government housing. These aren't, this isn't the government's not eating the cost. We're saying that you, property owner, your costs have gone up 10%, but you can only increase your revenues by 3%. Like, how do we justify that? I, I want to say when you're running a business, you have to do yourself a justice and negotiate. You're not going to negotiate with the water company, but you can negotiate with all the other services that it takes to upkeep your building. And I know it's tough. And I have a heart for the, especially mom and pop landlords and residential building owners. And that's why part of the commercial vacancy tax I propose would go towards mom and pop building owners of, of uh, residences, you know, uh, multifamily units, uh, because then that's going to help them. And it's showing that I'm pro-business and it's showing that Santa Monica's pro-business, but pro-resident because as a result, you were investing in the people that live in those buildings as well. Gotcha. And so when we're looking at, at what's going on with rent control, right? I don't think anyone has any sympathy for large corporate landlords. Nobody does, right? I don't. Just be blunt. <laughs> like no one really feels sorry for a huge corporation that uh-huh. says I need to make more money. But you mentioned the mom and pops, right? And we do have a lot of those in Santa Monica. Yeah. And you know we lose rent controlled units every year because every year mom and pops decide this is too difficult. I'm getting the hell out of this business. Yeah. And so where what are we going to do about that? Like so you talk about housing, right? So if we're going to lose rent controlled units every year because mom and pops choose to get out of the business. Typically, those are going to get bought up by corporations who are then going to raise rents or take the units off the market, turn them into homes, whatever. At the same time, we've got a group of residents who do not want new housing to be built, right? They don't like the notion that we're going to bring in more residents, rightly or wrongly, like that's their, that's their belief. You know, where do you come down on this? Do we need more housing units, big picture? Do we need more units specifically tied to income brackets? Do we not need any more units and we just need to re- we reshuffle and protect the ones we have. Like, where do you, where do you stand on the housing mix as, as an issue? Well, I think the landlords that are thinking of getting out of the business should look to their residents for a chance to manage the building for them long term and keep it from corporate building owners. Uh, in the large scheme of housing, I believe that we can achieve more housing through upzoning. I would like to see upzoning, rezoning and having deregulation with the uh, interest of more um, rezoning, uh, deregulating for the interest of more efficient land use, because I think that Santa Monica is a great place. It's a desirable place and people want to live here. Uh, There are people that used to live here that had that taken away from them. I think that Santa Monica should rectify that situation. And Supply and demand. Uh, more housing means uh, less cost per housing. And so if you're able to achieve that, then you have a community that can invest into the, the places uh, and have the actual tax money as the benefit from it. So, yeah. So you, so you do think we need more housing? I do. So and, and objectively more, more units than we currently have. Do you think they should be just market rate or would you be targeting them at some other kind of affordable housing system? Well, if you look at the breakdown of the income levels of people in Santa Monica, it's shifted towards the high end. And you look at the ethnic breakdown and it's uh, shifted towards the white end. 
and we need more diversity in Santa Monica. So having more housing, um, it's going to, and not market rate housing, because market rate housing has uh, attracts people that can afford it. And we have uh, too many people that can afford it already. And I commend them for their achievements, and we definitely need them, and I support them too. If I were uh, elected, I would represent them as well. But if we have a mix, then that's going to allow people that work in the service jobs that serve the people that can afford their restaurants and their schools and their hotels. And we need to see a variety of here of people that uh, live and work here. It's going to cut down on people's drive time. It's going to cut down on stress levels. It's going to cut down on emission levels. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to think, are there other subject areas that you want voters to know your platform on? We've sort of done crime. We've done homelessness, uh, done housing development. Um, environment we've done a little bit by by proxy we're talking about some other things um you know what else what else do you want voters to know about you and, and platforms that you might have related to the topic that we were just on housing i'm an airbnb host and i think that we should have an easier ability to have airbnbs uh if you look at the stress levels of santa monica it's it ranked number two on a on a on a survey mm -hmm. that uh asked america What's the highest uh, stress level suburb in America? And Santa Monica was number two on the list and number one on some lists if you check that out. So we should have Airbnbs be more possible for residents like myself because it allows you to have some supplementary income. The reason that we're so stressed is because the rent is so high. So if you're able to have that extra income, then you can afford to do the things that you want, which may just be eating and, and supplying for your family, but could also be doing the things in the life that you want to do. Mine is running for city council. So I, I know that the number of licenses has been capped in the past. And so I would like to see there be more licenses and also more if you could allow ADUs to have that as well, because these types of uh, hosts are going to be responsible because they're living either in the same unit or very close to that unit and wouldn't allow it to be uh, become out of control. I'm not for having a whole entire building become um, an Airbnb, uh, whether that's one house or multi-unit uh, housing. And so that's who I am for is the, the resident who lives in the unit. Gotcha. So that would be, so, I mean, advocating for Airbnb is somewhat controversial, right? There's plenty of folks who will say that short-term rentals do the polar opposite of increasing housing, right? They incentivize folks to take housing off the market to turn it into a short-term rental because then they just get more money from it. Right. And it, it actually decreases housing stock. Um, so I guess what I'm what I'm hearing you advocate for is more of a nuanced approach to those rules, right? Because I assume you don't want that. You don't want housing to come off the market right. to become an Airbnb just to fund someone who might already live here. Is that fair as a statement? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so what you're advocating for is is easing the rules for residents in a way that allows them to use the the room in their current apartment or like an ADU property they already have, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's helping them earn it with the resources that they have at their disposal. And it, you can't give everything to them through the government because there's limits to that. But if you're able to help them help themselves, then that's a true way that I think that we should approach this issue. And it's not going to take away from hotels ability to succeed either. There's enough tourism in Santa Monica that both residents with Airbnbs as well as hotels can succeed, but we just need to be given a chance to prove it. Gotcha. Um, and I do want to 
talk about this point real quick. So, you, so you're a first time running for council, yeah. right? You, you sort of, you haven't, uh, have you, what are you involved with outside of your job in terms of community groups and organizations? I volunteered at the Santa Monica Boys and Girls Club for a couple years. I was the civic engagement co-chair for the JCs here in Santa Monica. I was a commissioner on the Clean Beaches and Ocean Parcel Tax Committee here in Santa Monica. And I've volunteered for um, Heal the Bay, done mm-hmm. some beach cleanups. And I ran a community organization, informal, but still uh, true, which is called Now Santa Monica, uh, north of Wilshire, which focused on getting people together in person and talking amongst each other so that we could build a sense of community. Gotcha. So you've got, I mean, there's some folks who run for council who've never really been involved in the community, right? So you've got some community roots. As you're looking out at the campaign, I guess the the positive way to ask this question are, are people resonating with the message when you're going out and talking to them? Uh, The negative way to ask this question is, do you actually think you're going to win a seat on council, right? Like what's the, what I'm trying to gauge is your, your feeling of your measure of support in the community. Do you think folks are actually coming to your cause or do you think this is, I don't want to say tilting at windmills, but it's hard. It's hard to run for council. Yeah. It's very hard to get elected without having run at least a couple of times and built a constituency. Like it's no small task. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you think it's going? I think it's going well. I think I have a chance. And I think my best aspect is that I am from outside. If you want to have the same result as you've already had, then keep doing the same thing that you've already been doing. So if you want to change things, then you need to change your approach. And having somebody from the business world and outside of politics is exactly what I'm presenting. I know how it is to have business restraints can help uh, sway things. And so I do it all the time in negotiating with my customers. And that's what I want to bring to the table here as a council member is to say, let's look at this uh, holistically. And I know that there's a bunch of different stakeholders here and we all have our own unique needs and we can all uh, achieve them. We may not get everything that we want, but if we're successful, we'll each get something that we need. And that's the approach that I'm bringing to the table. And that's resonating with people. Gotcha. Um, so I guess we're getting close to wrap up here. We're approaching, we, we keep these at a certain length cause we know people's eyes glaze over at yeah. a certain point. Um, I guess real quick, as you look at the current council members, do you know any of them personally, or do you see anyone on the current council that might be someone you might be allied with or work with? Like if folks are trying to figure out where you're going to be on issues and like how you're going to work with council members, is there anyone in the city leadership that you currently know or that you might consider a friend or that someone that you could be considered, not that you're the same as anyone, right? But like where you fall on the spectrum of folks that we currently have in the leadership? Well, I like to think of myself as an independent mind, but I do like aspects of of several individuals on the council. Uh, I heard Gleam Davis say that she thinks that homelessness is a humanitarian issue. And that's something that I believe wholeheartedly. Uh, I have the same tenacity as a Phil Brock. And I like that he brings that to the table. And I've seen him through the years in the community when I was working with the JCs. And so I respect that. The social justice background that uh, Oscar brings to the table, something that I, I have at my heart. And I truly want to help out the underserved so that we can make the entire community a better place for all. And so that's to name a few. And sure. I could yeah, think good. deeper, but that's those are the top three on my list. I got it. I got yeah. it. That's good. Um, all right. So uh, as we approach the wrap up, I mean, we've kind of had some conclusionary talk already about yeah. things. But like, what's your what's your what's your closing statement? Give people your final pitch. 
Well, Santa Monica, we can get this place back on track. We look at the three core issues that I'm bringing up, which are the business. I want to bring business back, and I know how it is to use business constraints to do that. The commercial vacancy tax is going to get that done. Secondarily, I want to see crime decrease. I, I know what it takes to decrease the crime. That's the presence of more police officers that use good policing to help uh, deter crime from happening and decrease homelessness. I really want to help out these people from a compassionate stance, but a firm stance that's going to help people make the decision to improve their lives and improve the lives of the entire community. And so if you're looking for some change and something different, then I'm the person that you need to elect. Troy Harris. Gotcha. Well, good job mentioning the name at the end in case people forget it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's legitimate. Sometimes people forget. You tell people the most important part. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And good luck in November. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for listening to Inside the Daily Press. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or listen on our website at smdp.com slash pod. Music for Inside the Daily Press is provided by The Brig Band, LA's premier jam band. To find out when and where you can hear them live, visit thebrigband.com.